Nothing like children. The Bible says that children are in heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is His reward. And we need to make investment in August. We have been speaking about the topic of uh, committed to the future of our children. What can you do to help your child? What can you do to help other people's children? I think uh, for many, many years, God and He has always had a heart for children. I'm glad that this church, 134 years ago, when it opened up, and today I was reminded by a member who, uh, or a man who came out of the blue and said, I want to come back to the place that I was reached as a child. And I thank God for that. And I rejoice with that. God loves children. And you and I ought to love them. And matter of fact, Jesus was very stern. He said, it's better for a man to put a, put a uh, chain about his neck and jump off into the ocean and drown himself than to hurt a child. Why is he so severely, a t- uh, uh, gives such a severe statement? Is this when a child is hurt, they have their whole life to deal with that hurt. It's a big deal to God. And nothing more defensive when God sent his son, he sent him as an infant, a baby. Very few things any more uh, more vulnerable than a child. And God loves children, and we should love children. I certainly would be very grieved when anyone, any child is ever hurt and remind you when something happens to a child, we find out about it, we report it. Report it right away because it needs to be done. It's even if there's not, there's not even fire, there's just smoke. We have responsibilities. We want to love children. God does. And I'm very thankful for that. But what can we do to help our children? The book of Proverbs has a lot of things that help us in working with children. But uh, one of the things I want to give you is a little acrostic. It's called correct your child. Every child needs, uh, first of all, they need attention. And they need affection. They need to know that they're loved. Uh, A child who knows they're loved, and by the way, people will tell them, oh, your parents don't love you, or God doesn't love you. They'll have those feelings in their heart as well. But every child needs affection of his mom and dad. It needs direction from his parents. Mom and dad, don't be cowards when it comes to directing your children. Love them. You don't have to be demagogues. You don't have to be dictators, but you do need to be directors. And then every child needs correction. A child left to himself bringeth to his self, to his mom and dad, shame and embarrassment. And the Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, he, he chastens, he corrects them. Why? Because he's a good dad. He's a good dad. He's not going to let us continue to make a wreck out of ourselves. He's not going to let us continue on this road of self-destruction. He loves us. And every child needs correction. Don't be afraid to correct your child. But I will tell you this. If we will bring affection to our child's heart, you'll have a better idea of directing them and correcting them. If they know they're loved. And they say, Pastor, how do you do that? There's multiple ways to do that. But I think, first of all, tell them you love them. Tell them they're loved by God. I remember years ago listening to uh, what they would, the little Hebrew mothers would, while nursing their babies, would lean down into the ears of their child and say, Jehovah is God. (laughs) Before the child could even, even, you know, comprehend, they would say, Jehovah is God. He's God. And by the way, every child needs to hear, uh, God loves you. Mama loves you. Dad loves you. 
My dad was extremely good at that. He came from a very dysfunctional home. But if I have to give kudos to my dad in many areas, but definitely uh, he always confirmed that he loved me. He told me, I love you, son. I love you, John. Uh, he would write it in, in, in letters he would write to me. And by the way, that's a lost art. But boy, dads and moms, every once in a while, you need to write a note to your, your child. Write it in your handwriting. And I know my dad, he went to Germany for a while in, uh, in the military. And so he learned to say, I love you in German. I don't know if it's proper, but he would say, Ich liebe dich. And he would write out, Ich liebe dich. I love you in German. And it was a special code that we had. And I knew what he was saying when he said that, I love you, John. Now, you can say, I love you. You can correct them when they're wrong. You can take time with them. Sometimes you spell love, T-I-M-E, <laughs> quality and quantity time. But I think one of the best things we can do for our children, those of us who are married, is stay deeply in love with God and their father and their mother. You can cultivate your marriage relationship. Now, I know that sin has complicated that, and that's a challenge that all of us have gone through to some extent. It's touched every family. Not any family is exempt from going through divorce or separation. Even the best of families that I know, their families have been touched with this. But I'm telling you, friend, one of the best things we can do is stay deeply in love with God and their mom. Cultivate a marriage. The strength of our marriage determines the security of our children. And secure children are best raised in a home where a daddy loves God and a mother loves God. Where a dad loves God and is crazy about mom, and a mom loves God and she is respectfully responsive to the man that God called um, uh, to her. And I think that's important. Cultivate a marriage. Secondly, just by way of review, is to obey God's word personally. Obey God's word personally. Um, monkey see, monkey do. If, if you try to teach someone doing something, you're doing something opposite. Nothing more frustrates a child than hypocrisy in my life and yours. And obey the Lord. If God calls you to do something, if you mess up, fess up. If you sin, you lost your temper, then confess it. I shouldn't have done that. Boys and girls, moms, sons, daughters, daddy shouldn't have talked like that. I should not have behaved like that. Um, my mama shouldn't have done that. Uh, obey the Lord yourself. I remember years ago, I was, uh, was going through a little wild animal park, and my dad was, just rarely had enough money, and so I remember uh, getting in the, in the station wagon there, and, and they were, people in front of them were counting how many people were in the, in the car. So I grabbed my brother Mark and Matt, I said, let's get over the, under the covers in the back by the suitcases. And so I, I thought I was going to save my dad three admission tickets, you know, because we were going to stay in the car and look at the things, and... And my dad saw while I was doing the rearview mirror. He said, no, boys, hey, 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 get up. Dad, we're going to save you money. He said, but that's not right. So let's get up. Let's get up. Get back here. We need, I need to pay for all of you. I need to be honest with that. You know, more, and I remember a lot of things about my childhood, but I remember that one. I remember when my dad just said, you know what? We're not, we're not, uh, we're not trying to cheat the system. Let's get up and let's get up and we'll count everybody's heads and we'll do the honest thing. A lot of things have helped me in my life, but a lot of things are shown to me more than told to me. My dad would have told me to be honest, and then I saw him be dishonest. Well, that would be probably a little counterproductive. But I'm grateful that I saw it and I heard it. The greatest way to raise uh, children and to raise uh, disciples is show and tell. 
I like what Paul says. I showed you and I taught you. It's show and tell. It is telling what we're supposed to say, and then it is modeling that as well. Cultivate a marriage, but then obey God herself. If people don't trust you, they won't trust what you tell them. Moms and dads, many of us, we've had moments of hypocrisy where we haven't done what we should do. We haven't acted the way we should act. We ought to ask God to forgive us. We ought to ask our kids to forgive us if that needs to be the case. Let's continue on, if we can, please. Respond immediately to wrong attitudes that our children have. If you're raising children, may I just remind you, chasing them be times. That's the term that God uses. And that means early dawn. The word be times means early on. Don't let them be year, year and a half old before they learn what no means. Before they learn that this, no, we're not going to do this. Help them early on to figure out some things and help them to learn to obey. Help them to learn to respect their authorities. Help them to learn to obey quickly, immediately, respectfully, and fully, completely, happily obey. And those are things that young people can learn before they can even verbalize words. They can learn what is right. What is, what, how we need to take care of that. And God's teaching us things here. Uh, respond to attitudes. When you see an attitude, you see a little kid throws a fit or does something, it's not cute. It's never been cute. It's not cute when they're, when they're eight months. It's not cute when they're 18. But if you don't deal with them when they're eight months, you, in, in their 10 months and 12 months, and they throw their little fits, it's going to be a lot harder when they're older and they're slamming doors when they're 13, 14 and cursing and, and getting upset and because we never dealt with them when they were young. We need to give some time and attention to that. So deal with attitudes. And this is by way of review. I want to give you another one now, and that is re- reinforce what you teach them with training. Training is probably one of the more difficult times. But the Bible says right here in chapter 22, he says, train up a child in the way he should go. Training to me is challenging. It is much easier for me to rake my lawn than to teach my clown boys how to do it. You know, I can do it a lot faster by myself than trying to train seven, eight, nine-year-old kids. You know, I'm raking over here and they're looking at the stick. Dad, look at the stick. Look, forget the stick, rake the lawn. Okay, okay. I think there's a mole over here. Dad, would you look and see? No, I don't care about the mole. Let's keep going. Rake it. Rake it. Boy, just whatever you try to get them to do, it's not an easy process. You sweet girls are training your girls to wash dishes or to do laundry or to make a bed. It's, not, it's, it's one thing to tell them to do it. It's another thing to show them and train them how to do it effectively, how to keep a clean house. And my uh, precious mother-in-law is here, and I, we so admire her. She is... Uh, uh, been deaf since she was a little child. She can't hear. And um, yet she has been so uh, diligent. She's such a hard worker. Always just keeps a clean house. She's going blind as we speak. And that's very difficult for anyone, but especially if you're used to receiving all your communication visually. And now you're, she's got that uh, macular degeneration and her tunnel vision is coming into play. But, boy, she's so concerned, and, boy, I'm so grateful to live in a home where a young lady had been trained how, not just taught, not just told to clean the house, but trained to do it. Say, so, my, my mom and dad didn't teach me that, or my mom didn't teach me that. But you can figure that out. Stop the cycle. <laughs> I think we can do it. It's, you know, it's, a, it's W-O-R-K. And husband, it's H-E-L-P. Help. You thought I was going to say a bad word, didn't you? <laughs> To tell you about the time, 
I was witnessing to a guy one time, and we stopped. And I was in the car with him. I said, hey, man. I said, tell me what God did to bring you to Christ. He goes, oh, I can't believe you asked me that. I said, why? Just do him tell me. He goes, pastor, I'm not saved. I told the Lord. We were traveling 100 miles from the place. We went to a church service, and he were driving home. He said, pastor, I'm not saved. I said, wow. Okay. He, he said, I told the Lord if I got home tonight, I would get saved when I got home. I said, well, we got about another 45 miles. You want to keep going? You want to stop now? He goes, well, I'm going to stop now. So well, we stopped, and we pulled up to a shell station. I began to give him the gospel of Christ. When we got to the gospel, the S fell off the sign. <laughs> I'm just joking. That didn't really happen. I just thought that would be a fun thing. <laughs> Husbands, help your wife. Wives, keep working on that. And reinforce with training. Our children need to be trained how to walk, how to teach, how to dress, how to play, how to, how to play a game, how to participate in an instrument, do things that would, would be put them in pressure situations sometimes. You know, some children, when, they're, when, they, when they lose a game, they just give up real quick. They don't want to keep going. That's where they need a mom and dad. Said, no, 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 we're not going to lose our cool like that. I don't know if you remember that playing that dumb game of Monopoly, you know, and after you get all your, one of your greedy brothers starts to win, you just want to turn the whole thing upside down, get everything all mixed up and throw, throw Park Place over here with Broadway. And, because you see, well, that's, that's that old human nature. But learning to take on, not to be a good loser, I don't think anybody ought to be a good loser. But I think you ought to be a temperate loser. I think you ought to really keep your temper in check. Well, it has to be trained. There has to be some time given in that. The Bible says train up a child. And by the way, train up a child in the way he should go. I think there is a little bit to see there is not just, uh, not just that. That is finding your child's bent, finding their strengths. Anyone who has multiple children knows that not every child, they come from the same nest, but they're wired very uniquely. And helping them go in the way that they should go. Some kids are very strong at language. Some are good at math. Some are not so good at sports, but they're very good musically, or they're good at computers, or they have different things. You know, when a parent has some wisdom, say, you know what, they're, they're, they've got this strength. You're going to help feed that strength. You don't want to do that at the expense of, of, of not doing things that they need to do. We need to all collectively, I think, when I see the spiritual strengths in the Bible in Romans chapter 12, the thing that comes to my mind, is to thrive in one, but strive for all. Try to be as balanced as you possibly can. Say, so, well, I'm not good at that, so I just don't do that. No, I think you might want to give effort to do it. Well, it might embarrass you. We'll do it. Well, I'm not really good at singing, or music is not my thing. Try to learn the notes. Not maybe good at athletics, but give your best to, to try that. Learn to do what you can do, and help your children develop their strengths. Uh, train them up in the way they should go in the bent that God has given them. That takes a little bit of thinking. That takes some prayer. But ask God, what is my child good at? What do they have? There are certain children that are just are very strong in, in certain things. Well, you want to feed that strength and train them up in that way. And I think wise parents have done that. And I think it's a, it's a biblical thing, and I think it's something that will help our children. 
Let me give you another thought real quickly, and that is, is to encourage with praise. I'd like for you to look at some verses here real quickly on this. Would you take your Bibles and turn to chapter 3 and verse number 27? Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 27. I think every parent needs to understand the power of praise. Can you say it with me? Every parent needs to understand the? One more time. Power of praise. Now, mamas, let me just say this. If you are raising boys, one thing they have on you is you've never been a boy before. And boys need affirmation. Boys are very much... Uh, much help by admiration. Now, girls the same way. Oftentimes, you get what you praise for. And it's something that oftentimes many moms, if you're not be careful, you become overbearing, you become very assertive and even critical of your boys, and you're, you're not going to like the outcome. In the same way with dads with girls. Um, dads have to have a great responsibility to, to share Loving, affection, and, and, and a kind of affirmation to their girls. If girls do not feel loved by their father, and the devil has been very successful to get men who are dads to be angry and abusive, to be addicted or aloof or absent altogether. But, but fathers, one of our jobs is to give continual affection and love to our girls. And that's, that, that does come with, with uh, hugs, that comes with, with affirmation, that dress looks pretty, you're such a good girl, we love you. Uh, that comes with writing notes, sending text, showing admiration for them. But mamas, on the turnabout of that too, I think it's very important that you understand if God gave you boys, there is a very special uh, desire in them to be admired. God put it in them. Ladies long to be loved. That's why God says, husbands, love your wife. As we understood recently, oftentimes girls have inside of them that, that voice that says, I'm ugly. I'm not attractive. I'm not very smart. I don't compare well with other ladies or other girls. And that enemy of comparison is a big problem, oftentimes with, with young adolescents. And we just feel like, oh, I just don't feel good. You know, those voices inside in a, in a, in a, in a girl are very loud. A beautiful lady can look in a mirror and say, oh, I don't like the way I look. And she looks great. An ugly, fat man can look in a mirror and say, eh, not bad. <laughs> Because the girl inside of it is just continually very critical of herself. And that brings insecurities. And perfect love casteth out fear. That insecurity happens there. And what it is is a perfect love from a dad, from a mom especially. Puts away those fears. I always love it and I thank God for the good young men and young ladies in our church. And I love to see how that God uses them. But every once in a while you find a child who comes from a very good home that they love you as a pastor. They love Brother Abdel. They love Brother Ricky. They love the, uh, the, the leaders of their youth group. But the truth of the matter is they're much more impressed with their own mom and dad. They'll follow you and they're not rebellious, but they're not easily impressed with you because they have a mom and dad who fill their love tank at home. 
Sometimes you'll find that, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong, but often it's one of the things that uh, we find when parents do not, have, when children do not have the affection and direction, the correction of a mom and dad. They find love in the wrong places. They find some clueless 16-year-old that says he loves them with all their heart and they'll be together forever and he can't even get enough money to buy his combo meal at McDonald's. Goes to his mom and dad and says, my name is Gimme, take all you give me. I need to get a combo meal. And and everybody goes Dutch. You you have enough money for you? Okay, (laughs) that's fine. And yet he loves her with all of his heart. And she'll give her heart to him. Often it's because she's lacking the love of a dad. The love, that perfect, mature love that God wants them to have. But I will say this, so much of love begins with words. Written words, verbal words. We love that song, Yes, Jesus Loves Me. Yes, Jesus Loves Me. Yes, Jesus Loves Me. How do we know? Yeah, God wrote it down. But learning to praise, I think, is important. Let's go to chapter 3, verse 27. I ask you to turn there. Would you look at it and read it out loud with me? Are you ready? Withhold not good when it's in the power of thy hand to do it. There are two different applications. I think, obviously, if someone deserves something and you have the ability to help them, don't withhold it from them. Give it to them. But I think especially is true with praise. Sometimes we're very stingy with praise. And we ought to say, thank you, that looks nice. You did a good job with that. I'm very pleased with the way you set up and listened in church. It was so wonderful to see you up in the platform tonight with the junior hires. Thank you for loving the Lord. Thank you for making those commitments. These are things we can say. If, I, if sometimes you're not careful, we, we start thinking of negative things. Huh, son, tuck your shirt in. Good night. Your shirt was on fire, but now it's out. Come on, now tuck it in. Let's go. You know, or we'll, you know, where's your belt? Good night. Where's your belt? Well, you looking like a bum. When oftentimes we ought to catch them doing things that are right, and well, and praise them in that process. Here's a couple other thoughts I think that comes to, comes to head there. Let's look, if we can, please, at chapter 18, verse 21. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 21. I heard our junior uh, young people sing this today. Miss April's written this and putting this to music, and I can't remember it, but it's a good verse. Let's say it together. Verse 21 of chapter 18. You ready? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Good. Do you know who people you really love to be with are people that when you get with, they encourage you? They're encouraging. They just say things that, are ad, that you're appreciative. Well, you're really good at that. Well, I appreciate the way you did that. That is a beautiful blouse. Oh, good night. Are you preaching tonight? You look so nice. When you just say positive things to people, he tells us death and life are the power of the tongue. You can discourage, and the Bible says he's given us a tongue for direction, or it can be used for destruction. It's like a bit in the horse's mouth or a helmet, the, uh, the, the rudder at the bottom of the ship is small compared to the big ship. The bit's very small compared to a thousand pound horse, but it can direct that horse. And our words are directing young people. Mamas, daddies, use your words. Remember the power of praise. And encourage them. You don't have to flatter. I'm not talking about flattery. I'm talking about finding things that you truly admire in your son, your daughter, your friend, your Sunday school teacher, and encourage them with words. I believe God wants to do that. I think it's a, it's a key to helping raise your children for the Lord. Let me give you another thought, if I can, please. And that is consistently support the authorities in your child's life. As we go into school, 
I've seen this happen. I was a school teacher for 11 years and a principal for seven of those years. But oftentimes, your child will get in conflict with authority. And the authority doesn't always have to be right. And there are times, I remember raising our nine children, we have come into situations where I feel like the teacher had a bad day. The principal made a bad decision. Things were not quite equitable. But I'm telling you, friend, I would rather have some inequitability with our child and keep their attitude right than try to run to defend them every time something goes wrong. And there are things, and he said, well, is life fair? Absolutely not. If life was fair, we'd all been in hell yesterday. Can we hear an amen on that? No, things don't always, they're not equitable. And next time you want to criticize your teacher, try staying seven and a half hours in the same room with your kids. It's no walk in the park. Not, it's not easy. And there are things that teachers, you and I, it says those who instruct others need to exercise these same principles of love and affection and attention, all those things. But I tell you, friend, be careful that you don't start defending uh, your child against authorities. I believe it's a, I think it's a terrible mistake. Years ago, I remember years ago, and, and, uh, and uh, it was a, it's a sweet lady. But boy, every time her kid, and her kid was a struggle, he, he had struggles. But every time, it was never the child's fault. She'd be at the principal's office and talking to me and trying to get me to, to side with her child, and I knew her child. And I watched him go through junior high and high school. Continually, mom would come. Then dad would come primarily because mom insisted he come. To this day, that child does not even talk to his mother. Just it came to a place and they just stopped talking. And that mother who could, couldn't continually, and, and you know, she made a couple decisions, not bad, but just they were like, we can't keep doing this. And oh, that's right, then she, he is making her pay. I can't tell you how many times she showed up to defend him, and now he doesn't have the maturity, the appreciation to even speak to his own mom. Tears fill her pillows at night because her own son will not even talk to her. And I'm convinced it's because she would not defend authorities, and when something came against her authority, she did, he just left her in the dust. Now, I'm not saying this happens to everybody, but I'm just telling you, uh, side with authority. I believe all of us, the Bible tells us, sometimes the police are not, ap- are, are not right. Sometimes our authorities, and I think even when we get to I heard someone this week say something very disrespectful toward our president. And I'm so disappointed that so many things happen in politically. I'll tell you what, I don't see the apostles. Nero was in charge. He was burning Christians like candles in the streets. All kinds of negative things were happening. You go read the book of Acts. You read 1 Peter, 2 Peter. You'll find that they didn't spend a lot of time criticizing the local government. You know what the Bible tells us? Pray for kings and for all their authority. And oftentimes we're very loose-lipped. We got our opinions and we just throw this person under the bus and let's not get, I know how he is, I know how she is. And you're going to discourage, you're going to knock everybody else. You know, yeah, you know how pastor is. That's what he would think. Or that's how Brother Abdel, that's Brother Ricky, or that's how Brother Woosley is, or whatever. And you can start going through all those things. And one day they're going to take that and turn that on you, Mama. They're going to turn that on you, Daddy. Because authority is God-given. He said the head of every man is Christ. 
The head of the woman is the man. And then it says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment promise. God has structured things. Of course, God is perfect. Husbands are not. Fathers are not. Teachers are not. Leaders are not. And we're following them as they follow Christ. And I'm not saying there's not a need for a powwow session. Not a need to sit down with teachers and say, would you explain to me how we can help our child? I think there's, don't, don't be afraid to do that. I think that is, and every teacher ought to welcome the, the assistance of a mom and dad. But don't come in there with your, your barrels loaded, ready to knock the, knock, knock them, knock the snot out of them, and, and especially never in front of your child. If she does it one more time, if he doesn't, no, you, you can do it. You can do it. I think you're going to find you'll pay out the nose in time to come. You'll, you'll do more harm to that child over a lifetime than you will let them take an unfair, inequitable situation periodically. Believe us, some things that could help us. And the last thing I share with you tonight is this, is teach continually. Never stop teaching. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 7, the Bible says, I want you to diligently teach your children. He said, I want you to know that God, that God is the God. I want you to know the word of God, and I want you to keep on teaching your children. When you sit up, when you lie down, when you walk by the way, basically teach every child all the time. And God gave them moms and dads to do that. And we need to take, it, we need to take that instruction seriously. It's so easy for me sometimes to get in my car, and I'm just on the phone, talking to this person, or talking to this person, or listening to this radio, or turning on this, and oftentimes I've missed some very valuable time instructing our child if I would just realize you don't want to miss things you cannot reproduce. There's, just a, there's a season of time where you can have influence in your child. And you say, well, you know, we can't really reason right now. They're only four, five, six. I'll start reasoning with them when I, I'll start talking to them when they're 13, way too late. They need your attention all along the way. And teach them what the Bible says. Use situations in the community. Use the situation uh, with Afghanistan. Explain to them what's going on and what are some things we can learn from that. And what maybe we can stop right now and pray for the dear people there that they need the gospel of Christ. When you see a, a drunk on the street, staggering around and acting a fool. Say, son, this is what alcohol causes. At one time, that little kid, that man, was a little boy, and he was happy. He wasn't addicted. But here's what happened. That could be you. That could be me. If we don't do the right thing. Wine's a mocker. Strong drink is raging. Causes us perverseness. When you see someone that is not doing the right thing, uses a teachable moment. What verse of Scripture comes to your mind? That's a good thing to ask a Christian young man. What verse of Scripture tells me what I should do here? Let them think about that. Let them come up with some thoughts. Well, I don't know. I just don't know right now. Okay, well, let's think of some, and when we get home, we can look them up. Let's see what the Bible says. But teach them all the time, at every opportunity. And it takes, it doesn't, you can't raise godly children on spare time and pocket change, and I'm still in the issue. We, we, I love our children, but they have got, to, there's room for improvement in the Wilkerson home. A lot of things we can learn, but I'll tell you one thing, I'd like to cultivate a good marriage. I'd like to obey God for myself. I'd like to make sure that, that I keep instructing and training and going through the difficulties of that.
I want to support their God-ordained authorities. I want to reinforce with training. And I certainly, I want to let the Lord help me to keep on teaching constantly. Because they need a dad, they need a mom. And, and friends, if you've got other kids, maybe you're not there yet. Hey, listen, God can use you to help. Boys, young people on the bus routes, we love them so much. They need someone to love them. Sunday school teachers, this is your chance. This new year, you ought to take those kids and you ought to pray for them and say, God, they're going to have burdens. Teach me to love them and give me some more to love. Don't be satisfied with three or four kids if you can have seven or eight. I always think about my dad. I, I, I can't help it. My dad, my uncles told me this. My dad didn't tell me this. My uncle said, John, when we were little, Mama was drunk so much that we just tried to stay away from her. So we'd go to baseball games. We would go collect bottles to get inside of a baseball park. We would, we would go anywhere we could just to stay away from Mama because she was struggling so bad. He said, there's a little Sunday school teacher, and his pastor gave him a room at church. Said, he said, this guy wasn't, he wasn't even, and my uncle said, he wasn't even up to my shoulder, just a little guy. But he gave him a room at church. He said, you know what, I'm, and you know what, John, he said, he was not satisfied to having two or three kids in there. He decided he'd try to find as many kids as he can get in that room. And every Sunday he would teach us a lesson. He would try to be entertaining. He wasn't all that gifted, but, but he had us. And he would tell us a lesson. And every Sunday he'd send all the big boys. He'd send everybody to big church. And one day I remember him tapping your daddy on the shoulder and said, Richard, why don't you stay? He put a folding chair in the corner, put another folding chair face in the corner. He sat in the corner. I remember looking out there and seeing, my, seeing your daddy Richard, and he was talking to him, and that man had his Bible like this, and he was just showing him, John, the Bible, and having Richard read it. And I remember after a while watching your daddy bow his head and accept Jesus as his Savior. He came home, and he was so excited. When he went to big church and joined me there, I said, where you been? I go, oh, I got saved. I got saved. So he went home, told Mama, Mama was drunk, and she said, you can't be saved, you're only 11. The Bible says you have to be 12 to be saved. He said, no, Mama, I'm saved. He said, no, you're not saved, you don't know what you're talking about. But that next week, I told your daddy, I said, Daddy, I said, Richard, tell him to tap me on the shoulder. Tell him to tap me on the shoulder. And he said, that next week, he didn't do it, but the next week, he tapped Douglas on the shoulder, and he took me to that corner and set me with that Bible and showed me how to be saved. He said, I don't know how many boys we had in that room. I don't know if it was, sometimes we'd have 12, 15, 20 boys. That man had a burden for those kids on the streets of Knoxville. And I stand here tonight, large in part, of a little man I never met who got a burden for little boys. He said, you know what? They don't have a daddy to help them, but I'll do my best to get them to the Heavenly Father. I'll help them. We need, we need a burden to go on inside of our hearts to do what we can, whether for our own children, for the other children of this world, because God so loved the little children.